Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. A little bit later today, in about an hour or so, I'll be going into Bloke and Bar Studios to record beers and break-evens. It will be our uh, our last uh, preview of a round for the season, so exciting times there, heading into round 25. We will have another four episodes after this one for beers and break-evens, where over the next four weeks, uh, we will go through each and every team. We're going to break it into four episodes. Do a little review on their Supercoach season. Guys that went well, guys are disappointed, and the guys are excited for next season. So Supercoach season might be over, but there's still plenty to come on beers and break-evens until the end of the NRL season. And then we'll be getting stuck into the preseason in just a few months, uh, where me and Timmy will be going through each and every side, and the guys we're keen for, the guys we've got our eyes on, the guys we think are going to be flops, etc., etc. But I thought I'd just go through, and uh, we'll do a... a I've obviously got a Supercoach draft uh, review coming over the next week or so with the Rubdown boys. We're recording that next week, so that will be coming over the next 10 days or so. But I thought Supercoach Classic-wise would be a good opportunity to go through and have a look at the guys that did well. And I was thinking about doing this the other day and how I was going to do it. And then I noticed that on Supercoach365, so another Instagram page does sensational content there. I advise you go and follow him. Definitely got less followers than what he should. Puts out really good content. But SC365, uh, they put up on their story the other day, Player of the Year awards, and I thought, you know what, this might just be the best and the easiest way to do it. I'll go through and give my live reaction to his, and then it'll also show it's a uh, a poll, so I'll choose the player that I think for each position, each award, and then it'll give us the answer according to you guys, the percentage-wise. So the first Player of the Year award is the Cheapy of the Year. Now, the options put out by Supercoach365 are... Taylor May, Max King, Joseph Suwali'i, and well, Will Pensini. Uh, for me, I really... Suwali'i has obviously been amazing. I think he's probably been better in NRL than what he has been in Supercoach, though. I think Max King, he's been unreal. He obviously saved my sorry ass in my draft team for a lot of the year. He was sensational. But I don't know how you can possibly go past Taylor May. He has been unbelievable this year. His form, the points that he scored, he has just been on another level this year, Taylor May. I've been so impressed with what he's done. We obviously spoke the entire preseason about Isaac Tungo. We probably didn't expect Taylor May to get in as quick as he did. Uh, it's one of our regrets uh, from 
from our Supercoach draft season that we didn't uh, we, we didn't get on that as fast as what we should have. Unfortunately, one of the other boys got him. He had a really successful season with him. But if I would have had Tungo and Taylor May, potentially my season could have been a little bit different. I don't think I would have won it still. Uh, but yeah, that's one of my disappointments. But I think Taylor May, uh, he has to be... Um, our favourite cheapie of the year. I don't think there's any real questioning that. I think we every single person had him. It was just a matter of when you sold him. If you sold him a few weeks ago, you would have been very disappointed because he obviously came out with 113 last week. I am one of those people, unfortunately. Uh, but he finished the season with a 64-point average, which is just crazy. I could not believe how well he went this year. He's currently at... How much money is he at now? 457K, which is just unbelievable. I think he got higher than that, though. I think he's dropped a little bit, obviously. I think his highest point was about 545K. So for me, he is by far and away the cheapie of the year. And 58% of you agree. The next best was Suwali at 24%, Max King at 17%, and Penasini at 2%. So Taylor May, the standout cheapie of the year. All right, the next category is the surprise of the year. Four great players in this one here. Joey Tapanay, Sean Lane, Dylan Brown, Ruben Cotter. Uh, now, for me, I think Sean Lane, he's been a big surprise for me. I haven't had him all year, and it's absolutely killed me. I think he's been fantastic. Dylan Brown. I remember saying in the preseason with Dill Brown that he he's going to have a year where he absolutely explodes, and he's the best player in the Paramount Eels, and he absolutely kills it for Supercoach. I'm not sure when that season's going to be, but if you're lucky enough to own him in draft for that, you're going to do very, very well. Uh, one, I thought the best team in our draft comp actually got knocked out last week in the prelims. He had Dylan Brown. He had a sensational team. Brownies averaged 74 points this year, which is unbelievable. And when I said at the start of the season that he'd have that year, I'm not sure when it's going to be, and I didn't think it would be this year, to be perfectly honest with you. This is the sort of footballer he can be. I'll be very keen to see how he goes next year. Ruben Cotter, he'd have to be right up there. I actually, by some form of miracle, despite me talking him up all preseason, I never owned Ruben Cotter. The injuries and stuff scared me away a little little bit, but he's also finished with a 60-point average this year. He has been sensational. He's done very well, and I think that if you listen to this podcast, Ruben Cotter probably wouldn't have been as much of a surprise to you because we spoke about it all preseason. It was just going to be the injuries, whether it was going to work out or not. He missed 10-odd weeks, smack in the middle of the season, but he's come back then, and he's still put up sensational scores, uh, 55, 71, 56, 40. Probably not sensational, to be fair, but earlier in the season, he was incredible. He was chucking up 70s and 80s for fun just off base stats. So Ruben Cotter right up there. But for me, the surprise packet, and this has probably been the one that Really, really kick-started my good Supercoach Classic season throughout the year was Joey Tapanay. Uh, he averaged, what's he averaged? 67 points this year. He's been incredible. So despite Dylan Brown averaging more, for me, from the moment I got Joey Tapanay, he was just incredible. I picked him up in round 13. His scores after that, 73, 78, 95, 82, 94, 74, 73, 113. Uh, an injury where he got 26 and then 75 and 51. So I would assume his average is sitting up around the 80 mark since I got him. Probably a little bit higher, to be honest with you. So I've been very, very happy with Joey Tarps. And he would be my surprise of the year because when I got him, I thought, ah, oh, this is a bit of a punt, Ricky Stewart roulette with minutes and whatnot. And he's probably been my best forward the entire year. So let's have a look. Surprise of the year. 39% Joey Tapanay. In second, Ruben Cotter, 32%. Sean Lane, 23%. And Dill Brown only got 7%. I thought Dill Brown would get a little bit more there. I thought Sean Lane would get more as well. But I guess Ruben Cotter, I think if you if you weren't listening to this podcast or you didn't know your footy inside out, Ruben Cotter probably came from nowhere this year. So probably a fair shout. So Joey Tapanay takes that one at 39%, the surprise of the year, as presented to you by Supercoach365. 
All right, we get into the positions. Fullback of the year. The nominees are James Tedesco, Clint Gutherson, Dylan Edwards, and Latrell Mitchell. For me, I think Teddy's been sensational, and he'll be right up there. I think he'll be a top-two finisher. Gutho uh, has had a good season. He's had little moments where he's gone big like last weekend, but as a whole, um, I don't know, 68-point average, which is still good, don't get me wrong, but uh, as a fullback, you probably want more than that. Looking through his scores, uh, he's had three uh, two hundreds this year. They've Two of them have come in the last five weeks. So, uh, yeah, probably not the ceiling sort of year we wanted. Had, had a couple of games where he got close. Well, not many, actually. He only got one other. No- he got two 90s, to be fair. Uh, but, yeah, Clint Gutherson, I wouldn't have him there. Dylan Edwards has been really good, uh, really consistent. Edwards, uh, he might be the most honest super coach player in rugby league. He, uh, you know, exactly what he's going to do every week. He's going to average 65 to 70 every single season. Uh, he's not going to have any 120-plus scores, but he's going to have very few sub-50 scores. He's actually had a couple this year, to be fair. Uh, but for the vast majority, he's been incredibly consistent. You have a look at the last six weeks, 64, 60, 70, 81, 67, 76. Pretty fucking crazy how consistent this guy is. But I couldn't have him as my fullback of the year. The last nominee... Latrell Mitchell. Now, for me, it comes down to James Tedesco or Latrell Mitchell. Uh, Latrell's obviously missed a fair whack of footy this year, so that does make it tough. With an 88-point average, though, he has been incredible this year. James Tedesco with a 79-point average. Uh, I would have said Latrell. I don't have Latrell Mitchell. I never have had him in Supercoach Classic, as you guys know, and it really has cost me. Uh, if I would have had Latrell, I think I think I'm sitting 400th at the moment after a bit of a bed shit last week. I think I could have really pushed myself into that top hundred. But made the decision to antipod Latrell. I actually came down to Tedesco or Latrell. I was going to antipod both of them at one stage, which would have been very ballsy. Decided to get Teddy, left Latrell out, um, and probably would have been as costly as each other over the last six weeks. You look at Teddy's gone 99, 152, 72, 99, 47, 109. Whereas Latrell, he's just been above 70 in just about every game on the run home. He has been incredible, and he has really cost me. His Since returning from injury, he's gone. 99, 93, 136, 99, 52, 152, 115, 105, 76. Holy fuck, I didn't realize it was that good. No wonder I have fallen down those ranks each and every fucking week. That is incredible. Latrell Mitchell would be my pick by far and away. You guys have gone, wow, 42% James Tedesco to 41 Latrell Mitchell. Not much in it. But at the moment, it looks like James Tedesco has won that one, which is crazy. I would have definitely gone the trail. And looking at those numbers, that is fucking terrifying. That is scary stuff. All right, our next one is the CTW of the year. The nominees are Taylor May, Joey Manu, Ruben Garrick, and Alex Alex Johnson. Um, for me, as I said, Taylor May, I've already spoken about him. He's had a sensational season. He's been unreal. Ruben Garrick has been great, moved to fullback. I, I think he was a must-have throughout the vast majority of the season. I think if you didn't have him, you would have sort of struggled. With a 71-point average, he did very well. Goal-kicking in the back end, uh, he was very impressive this year, Ruben Garrick. And Alex Johnson, who I never owned. I've never, I don't think I've ever ever owned AJ uh, when it comes to Supercoach. Super I probably should because uh, we know what he's going to do every single year. Finished with a 70-point average, which is incredible. Scoring tries for fun. You have a look at the last, what is it, six, six seven weeks. Um, round 18, scored 97 points with three tries. Round 19, scored 82 points with two tries. Round 20, scored 64 points with one try. Round 21, scored 55 points with one try. Round 22, scored... 80 with two tries. Round 23 scored 99 with two tries. And then round 24 scored 51 with one try. So it hasn't gone sub 50 over the last few weeks. Granted, he needs tries to score points, but 
I think out of his last, what is it, 11 games, he hasn't scored in one of those. So he has been sensational. And I think if you even go further back, I think from his last, like, 14 games, he hasn't scored in two of them. So Alex Johnson's had a sensational season. I've never owned him. And I don't think it's hurt me as much as not having Latrell, for example. Uh, But people that really stacked Latrell and AJ, I imagine you would be pushing into that top 100 at the moment. But for me, it's a pretty easy one, CTW of the year. It has to be Joey Manu. Probably has quietened down a little bit towards the back end of the season, but uh, that big game against St. George alone where I captained him 191, that did me huge, huge overs. Uh, He's had one, two, three, four, five, six hundreds this year, which has been incredible. Six hundreds, a couple of nineties. Yeah, had a 97 as well. So Joe Manu, he has been unbelievable this season and it's the the chef's kiss was that game against the Dragons. And if you VC'd or captained him that game, you've done very, very well for yourself. I was lucky enough to captain him. So he would be my pick and 69% of you agree with me. Joey Manu at 69%. Uh, Alex Johnson at 14%. Ruben Garrick 11%. Taylor May at 6%. That's from Supercoach365. Make sure you go follow them. Instagram, Facebook, everywhere you find Supercoach content. You'll find the boys there. All right, let's have a look. 5-8 of the year. The nominees are Cam Munster, Cody Walker, Dylan Brown, and Matty Burton. Straight away, I would have to rule out Cody Walker and Matt Burton. Both have been good but not fantastic. I think I'm sort of scarred from Cody Walker. Took him first draft pick last year, and he had an unbelievable season. I think he finished with an average of like 84, and it was never going to get better than that. He's dropped to 57 this year, so he couldn't possibly have Cody Walker in there. I know a lot of people got on him during the year, during the year because he was a little bit cheaper. He got him for a ridiculous amount, but... Take out 100 against Newcastle in round 17. Outside of that, it's been pretty poor since then. Uh, 78, 15, 55, 59, 85, 76, 41. And by Supercoach Classic standards of the players you want in your team, pretty disappointing there. Matty Burton, another one that I considered. I was really high on him at one point. Didn't end up pulling the trigger. And I'm glad I didn't because since then, he's sort of gone to shit. Uh, last five or six weeks, 45, 85, 23, 48, 31. Uh, he, had, he did have a, a couple of hot periods where he did really well. There was a number of weeks where he was getting 70s, 80s, 90s for for about four or five weeks in a row. If you were on him for that run, you'd be absolutely stoked, but I couldn't possibly consider him here. For me, it's a two-horse race. Cam Munster and Dylan Brown. Not being a Dylan Brown owner was really tough throughout the year. As we said, he was fantastic with a 74-point average. Uh, the only thing that eased that blow a little bit was the fact that I had Cam Munster, who was averaging slightly more, 80 points. Uh, I was very happy to have Munster over Dill Brown, even though there were times where Dill Brown really, really hurt me, especially those people that had stacked Sean Lane and Dill Brown. Uh, but for me, I would have to go Cam Munster and let's hit that 50. No, 67% of you agree with me going Cam Munster, Cody Walker, 3%, Dylan Brown, 24%, Matty Burton at 5%. I'd agree with all those. That would be the order that I would have them in as well. All right. Halfback of the year. Jeez, there's some hot talent in here. The nominees are Nico Hines, Nathan Cleary, Mitch Moses, and Jerome Hughes. Uh, I look at Nathan Cleary, and I went pretty early on him when he came back. thought it was a good move. He did well for me, obviously getting injured in the last five weeks. It's really stung. It was another trade that everyone had to use. Mitch Moses, he's had his moments this year where he's been unbelievable. Obviously, missed a couple of weeks in the back end, which would have cost more trades, especially if you were a Cleary Moses owner. That would have really fucked you. Uh, he's had a good season, Mitchie Moses, 71 one-point average. Very, very impressive. I had him a couple of years ago where he absolutely killed it. I think it was 2019. He had about a 
65 average. He's topped that this year. He's been very impressive, Moses. But couldn't couldn't possibly compete with Cleary and Nico Hines, in my opinion. Jerome Hughes, I've had him for a couple of weeks. I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit disappointed. Uh, I got there. I got stuck about six weeks ago deciding, do I go Husey or do I go for DCA? I went with Husey. Um, look, he still finished the season with a 69-point average, which is only two points below Mitch Moses. And when I think about who's had the better Supercoach season, I would have said Mitch Moses by a mile. He still had some big games uh, throughout the season, Jerome Hughes. But... Just the ceiling that I thought he had, we never really saw. I think I brought him in at about round 17. Uh, he went 56, 55, 53, 78, 33, 72, 105. Went under 50 once, which is good, uh, but I didn't get enough of that ceiling. I didn't get a... Well, I, I, I got 100 for the first time last week, and I didn't fucking play him. So couldn't possibly go Jerome Hughes. It comes down to Cleary or Hines. <clears throat> and Nico Hines, he's the one we haven't spoken about yet when it comes to halfback, and he is my runaway winner this year. He's been incredible. 85-point average. A couple of big scores that if you weren't on would have really hurt you. The 124 in the early part in the rain against the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Got 130 a few weeks ago against the Manly Seagulls. But it was the game against the Warriors, 185, where he absolutely exploded. Just counting his hundreds this year. One, two, three, four. Five, six, six hundreds this year. Very, very impressive from Nico. And if you managed to get him in a draft comp, I imagine you would have got him reasonably late. And I imagine uh, you'd be sitting very, very pretty. I would assume you managed to finish in the top four. If you didn't finish top four with Nico, you're in some curry. You probably got that 112 or the 130 in your finals run and the 90. So you should have won most of those games. So hopefully, if you're a Nico Hines owner, you're, you, you're playing the grand final this weekend against Newcastle, and hopefully he can put on a show and win it for you. 72% of you agree with me. Nico Hines is the halfback of the year. Cleary, 21%. Moses, 4 And Jerome Hughes, 3%. That's also the order that I would have had it in. All right, second row forward of the year. Now, it's interesting. Half of these guys I didn't own this year, so made it very, very tough. The nominees are Isaiah Popoli'i, Colum and Tungy, Angus Crichton, and Sean Lane. I think uh, Colum and Tungy's been very impressive this year. He's a guy that I've never owned. Uh, I've, he's obviously uh, from the same area as me. He's a mascot boy, so always been high on him, but didn't really think he'd hit these heights just yet. 67-point average this year. Very, very impressive. Angus Crichton had a bit of an indifferent season, to be honest with you. Still averaging 64, which is great. Uh, he scored. He scored a couple of tries in the last few weeks, but he went the first six, 16 games without scoring a single try, came off the bench a lot. Uh, so it was a bit of not... It wasn't that Angus Crichton didn't have a good season. It was just about picking the moment when to get him. If you've had him in the run home, he has been great. Come up with some big scores, including 161 against the Tigers, a 96 against the Brisbane Broncos, and 82 against Newcastle. So he's had a good finish to the season, Angus. He hasn't been as good as I anticipated he would be, to be perfectly honest with you, though. Uh, and then you've got the Parramatta boys. Isaiah Papali'i and Sean Lane, and this is, is the two that it comes down to. Now, for me, I haven't owned Sean Lane all year. That's been really tough. 69-point average the last few weeks. He's been on an absolute tear. 200s in the last four weeks, along with an 83 and 91. He's been sensational. He hasn't scored a try in a couple of weeks either, which shocks He's actually only scored two tries this year, which is unbelievable. I would have assumed he would have scored more in the last few weeks. I had a heap of offloading and try assists, though. But for a back rower to finish with a 69-point average when he only scored two tries, and he hasn't scored a try according to these stats in about 15 weeks or so, uh, incredible the season that Sean Lane had. But... 
It obviously should be noted that he's not dual position. The other guy is Isaiah Papali'i, and he has been unbelievable. I think that we are, we've sort of taken for granted what he's done this year because we sort of got so used to it last year, but I think he's been great this year. An 80-point average and dual position. He is the absolute shit-in for the second row forward of the year. That dual position is massive. To be 11 points in front of Sean Lane is fucking wild. He has scored a fair whack of tries this year, but that's the sort of player that he is, especially over the last, what is it, 10 weeks? One, two, three, four, five odd tries. So a try every second week for Isaiah Papali'i. Very, very impressive. He would be my shit-in 2RF of the year. 78% of you agree with me. Next best, Sean Lane, 11%. And then Colin Montungi and Angus Crichton at 6% each. I agree. I think if you didn't go Isaiah Papali'i, uh, I think you got rocks in your head just quietly or you forgot about him. All right, our next one, the front row forward of the year. We've got three more to go. Front row forward, uh, hooker and dual position player of the year. Those three to come from Supercoach365. Make sure you go follow them on all social medias. Front row forward, the nominees are Joey Tapanay, Joe Offahengawi, Big Tino, and David Klemmer. Look, I think this is a pretty easy one. I think Joe O, he had his moments throughout the year where he was incredible, putting up huge base stats. Tino's been great as well, especially the back end of the season. He's really coming home with a wet sail. David Clemmer was solid throughout the whole year. I uh, was constantly impressed with the numbers that he was putting up. He's obviously missed games and had a bit of Barney Rubble in the back end. Uh, missed some games early too. Missed the first, I think he played one of the first five or six games or something along those lines. But he's been incredibly consistent the whole year, 64-point average. There was about a five-week streak where he just couldn't go below 70 as well, which was very impressive. But... For me, it has to be Joe Tappanay. He has just been incredible. And I already spoke about him before, so no need to go into too much depth. But obviously, dual position as well. Absolutely massive. I think Joe O's dual position. The other guys are just front row forward. But Joe Tappanay, 67-point average. And when you look at the back end, as I said, um, like I look at his first one, two, three, four, five. It took him six weeks to score higher than his average for the entire season. So he went 60, 44, 44, 54, 59, 71. So it took him a long time to sort to find his way. You have a look at his first 10 games. He only went above his season average in two of them. So that shows you how fast he finished this year. Very impressive, Joey Tapanay. 85% of you agree with me. Next best was Big Tino at 7, then Joe O at 5%, and Clemmer coming in at 3% there. All right, Hooker of the Year nominees. Damien Cook, Appy Curacao, Harry Grant, Reese Robson. Uh, tough one here. Um, I think Harry Grant, he's probably the standout guy, but you look at the other fellas, Damien Cook. He's been solid this year without being fantastic, a very sort of Damien Cook season. Uh, it's becoming more and more like that with Cookie. Um, still averaged 75 points, which was great. Probably didn't have as many attacking stats as what I thought he would throughout this year or, or that I would have hoped if I drafted him, but still 75 average. You've got to be happy with that. Uh, scored 200s. He got 103 and 121. In against Canterbury. That was his ceiling for the year. But it's his floor that's just so incredible. Just looking through his games now, I think he had one game. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Where he got 46. 
Other than that, I think just about every game has been above 60. I think he's got two games below 60 this year. So Cookie's been amazing. Appy Curacao, uh, it's, it's a tough one with Appy. He's so talented, but his minutes change and everything. He still averaged 63, but there's a lot of times this year where he plays way less than 80 minutes, you know, 55, 58, 67, 64. Uh, so that makes it tough. 57 against South Sydney a few weeks ago, 43 on the weekend. Uh, still came up with about four or five tries. It's his... Try assists and everything around the ruck where Appy really generates points, though. So I think he's been good, but I couldn't possibly have him in the same line as Harry Grant. I think Robson's been really good as well. Been very sneaky, obviously. I didn't get him at any point this year. Owners would have been stoked. I think I'm just getting his stats up now. I think he scored. Yeah, he scored tries four weeks in a row. Uh, and we said on beers and break-evens, we're a little bit worried about if he could keep this up. And if he didn't, he would struggle a little bit. The next four weeks, he went 42, 78, 57, 62 uh, without a try. So, I mean, to be honest with you, not a train wreck. 42 as the lowest, 57 the next lowest. Pretty damn good for a hooker in a pretty quality side. Uh, But, yeah, I think he's finished the season with a 63-point average, which is still good. But by far and away, I think the hooker of the year has been Harry Grant, and I don't think we've even seen the very best out of him, to be honest with you. 77-point average. Average. He was great this year. Uh, not too many huge scores. He had three hundreds. His highest score was one hundred and thirty-eight against the Dragons back in round nine. Uh, but he's just been solid. You look at the run home: 66, 62, 57, 97, 73, 113, 54 last week against the Sydney Roosters. Playing big minutes in all of those games as well. So Harry Grant, he would be my hooker of the year. And forty-three percent of you agree with me. Next best was Damien Cook, twenty-six percent. Next best was Abby Curacao, nineteen percent over Robson. And I probably would have had Robson on top of Appy, in my opinion. All right, our last one from Supercoach365, DPP of the year, dual position player of the year. Uh, the nominees are Nico Hines, Isaiah Papali'i, Joey Manu, and Scotty Drinkbloke. We haven't seen him yet. Scotty, big fan of him. Uh, I, we, let's start with Nico Hines, obviously halfback, fullback. For me, it was massive this year. I think he will be my pick. Uh, when I look at Isaiah Papali'i, he obviously had an incredible season. I did have other dual positions in the same spot. I had, obviously, Maxi King, who, who got it later in the year. And then I also had Jason Tamalolo. So as good as, as Isaiah Papali'i was to have, his dual position didn't really help me all that much. Joey Manu was fantastic as well. Fullback center wing, I had him at fullback for a little bit. But I also had Ruben Garrick who could play that role too. I also had Kohler for a long time who could play that period. So as much as he was really good for me to have, he wasn't the decider. And even having fullback... It was very rarely I was going to captain him over other guys, but there were moments where I definitely was, so Marnie would be up there. Scotty Drinkwater was really good for me. Fullback, 5'8". I really enjoyed having him in my side this year. Gave me a lot of flexibility with 5'8", bringing in guys like Ezra Mam and a few other fellas that I wanted to have a little pump with. So Drinkwater, he was fantastic for me, but... The obvious standout, Nico Hines. Halfback was so scarce this year with all your injuries to your Moses, your Clearies, all these sort of guys. Having Nico Hines there was just so fucking helpful. To be able to shift him down to fullback as well was sensational. Uh, for me, my dual position player of the year has to be Nico Hines. 49% of you agreed with me. Isaiah Papaliti, 15%. Joey Manu, second at 24%. Drinkwater, 11 So it went Hines, Manu, Papaliti, Drinkwater, which I think is pretty fair. Obviously, not as many people own Drinkwater as the rest of those guys. Uh, but Nico Hines, what he allowed myself to do, and I'm sure a lot of you to, to do with your halfback and your fullback spot, uh, really was priceless. He was sensational this year, Nico. And I don't know where we'd be if he wasn't dual position. And if he didn't go as good as he did, I think it would have really opened up Supercoach a lot 
lot. It would have made it very, very tough. Guys, they are your Supercoach Awards for 2022 from the Supercoach, from Supercoach365, 365. Make sure you go follow them on all your social medias, putting out great Supercoach content. Let me know if you disagree with any of the ones that I chose or if you maybe would have gone in a different direction or if there's anyone that you think was unfairly left out of the nominees as well. I didn't pick these. These were picked by Supercoach365, but personally, I think they got them all pretty spot on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.